Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 2 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. In this season, we want to focus on practical discussions about unity within the Stone Campbell movement and beyond. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one so that the world may know. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread, and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Welcome to another Common Ground Unity podcast. I'm Kevin Witham here with my co-host Tina Bruner, and we are delighted to be back with you for another conversation. We have conversations with folks across the streams of the Stone Campbell Restoration Movement, and we're in a series now on spiritual formation, and we've had some great guests already, but in just a few moments, I'll introduce our two for today. Tina, how are you doing? You're, you're still in Poland, I understand. I am. You know, it's not in the news that much anymore, but there still is a war in Ukraine and there are a lot of refugees and there's a lot of the ways that the churches in our movement and also beyond are trying to reach out and serve. And so I'm here um, trying to see how to help facilitate some of that um, help and aid and um, yeah, just really getting a firsthand glimpse of how the church, God's people are responding to like some really big challenges. So yeah, it's been really good. And uh, I'm headed back to the States this weekend. So Kevin, how are things with you? Things are going well out here. We're struggling along in Southern California um, with a pretty cool summer relative to the rest of the country. So I have no complaints, um, but good to be back with you. Tina, our prayers for you and the good work you're doing is executive director of Global Connection, and uh, all the ministry you've been doing in that part of the world. Uh, we're thrilled to have our guests with us today. Let me give an introduction uh, to them. Randy Harris is with us today. Randy is known to many of our listeners. Uh, he was born in Springfield, Missouri, grew up in Bentonville, Arkansas, earned a BA from Harding University, two master's degrees from Harding School of Theology, and a Master of Philosophy from Syracuse University. He joined the faculty at Abilene Christian University back in 1999 and has taught a range of courses from preaching and theology uh, to an introduction to philosophy and ethics. I've had the opportunity to speak to a lot of men in ministry uh, who have been mentored by Randy in some of the groups that he's brought together where he's just poured into their, their lives spiritually. Uh, Randy recently retired from teaching at ACU, and he'll continue his leadership in the program that he founded there, the Contemplative Ministers Initiative, which is the uh, kind of mentoring program or ministry that I described a couple of moments ago. It is great to have Randy with us. He's got many books out. You can find all of Randy's books, I believe, on Amazon. A couple that are salient to our conversation on spiritual formation include Living Jesus, 
and soul work, which goes back a couple of years. And boy, I'd encourage you to go on, pick up a copy of those and dig in and you'll want to read more from Randy Harris. You can also hear Randy on, on many different lecture programs at Christian universities and, uh, and all. So Randy's with us and we'll give Randy an opportunity to say hello in a moment. But we also have with us Dr. Steve Kennard. He has served as an evangelist and teacher for more than 30 years. And he is perhaps most known in, in our stream, the International Churches of Christ, but also in Christian churches. He's preached and taught the Bible on every continent. He received his undergraduate degree at Freed Hardeman College, his Master of Divinity from uh, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest. It is a Master of Divinity in Languages. He then completed the Doctor of Ministry degree from Drew University. Steve and his wife lead a minister in Rockland County, New York. And he also serves as an adjunct professor of Bible at Lincoln Christian University and a professor of Biblical Studies at the Rocky Mountain School of Ministry and Theology in Denver, Colorado. He's got a blog, The King Jesus Herald, which you can find at stevecanard.wordpress.com. And he's also the editor of Teleos Journal, which is a Christian holistic uh, spirituality uh, journal. And you can go to Teleos, that's T-E-L-I-O-S, teleosjournal.com, and get more information about that good journal. Welcome, uh, gentlemen, to the podcast. We're so glad to have each of you here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Honor to be here. Guys, we're so glad that you're with us today, and this has been a really great series, and um, I look forward to uh, another great conversation. Before we kind of get into this discussion, would you all define for us what is spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines, how they're alike, how they're different, and maybe even how, how they relate to discipleship? Because I think in some ways, when we talk about spiritual formation, People are like, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in discipleship, and so what? Then there's nuances there. So, what do you what do you guys think about like how you would define our terms before we start? So, one of the great theologians in our movement, though not widely appreciated, was my mother, and uh, she would uh, she would say, when somebody asks us how uh, to become a Christian, we know immediately what to tell them. Uh, but when they ask the question, how do I grow closer to God? How, how do I deepen my, my life in God? We really don't know what to tell them. So we give them the big two, read your Bible and pray, uh, which is not a bad idea, by the way. But she says sometimes it comes off as kind of shallow. And uh, to me, that's kind of what spiritual formation is about, is how to answer that question. How do I deepen my life in God? Uh, how do I... How, how do I grow? So in that in that way, it's not not very uh, different from uh, the way we would talk about discipleship. And spiritual disciplines are practices that help us do that. Uh, you know, they they don't the disciplines don't make us righteous. What they do is they make us available um, and and create space uh, for the spirit kind of to work in our lives. So that kind of is a complex of ideas that I think about when I think about spiritual uh, formation. And I usually define spiritual formation with the idea of Paul. Paul saying, 
I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, which is a really bold statement for a guy to make. <laughs> I'm in the pains of childbirth. But his, his point was Christ being formed in disciples and followers of Christ. And uh, Paul wanted to see that happen. He, wanted, he was laboring. I mean, that's the word that he used. I'm laboring. Uh, for that to happen. And I think spiritual formation, and, and I get that from Dallas Willard, is the idea of Christ being formed in us. Um, that uh, sometimes when people become Christians, they feel like, well, my journey is to get to heaven. But there's another journey also, and that is while we're here, to become as much like Jesus as we can. And then the spiritual disciplines are avenues to open up our hearts for the Holy Spirit to work on us. Um, and for us to become more spiritual people by practicing particular disciplines like prayer and meditation and Bible study and one another relationships. And um, there's a whole list of them, depending on who you read. The list could be 20 to 30 long or um, 10, mine's usually 12 long. Um, and so, and I love to say this also, I'll just add this. People... Um, many people are very much into self-help books, and I am too. I like self-help books. Um, uh, Katie Milkman wrote a book on change that's fantastic, and it's so well-researched. Um, but it's basically a self-help book. It was the New York Times. Um, they recommended it as the best self-help book last year. Uh, and so I read it, and I loved it. It was fantastic. And um, But the spiritual formation and the spiritual disciplines is not self-help. I like to call it God help. Um, we, we, this is a way for God and the Holy Spirit to help us to become spiritually transformed people. Uh, so uh, that's, that's how I like to focus on spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines, how they tie together. And it all is under the umbrella of are giving our hearts to God because the battleground is the heart. And then the Holy Spirit is God's divine change agent and he works on our hearts. Could you, could you guys bear down a little bit more on the, the the idea of it's, it's availability. It's not an end. I, I think many of us struggle with kind of a checklist mentality spiritually where, you know, if we do these things, it puts us in a right place with God. If I spend so much time in Bible study, so much time in prayer. And yet, Randy, it was you, and you were touching on the same thing, uh, Steve, as well, that, that the spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation is about availability. Talk a little bit more about that, if you would. Help us to understand that better. Well, I think Paul is pretty clear that the primary agent in growth is the Holy Spirit, is God. God's going to do the is going to do the heavy lifting. Uh, or even if you go back to, you know, this, the Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 51, creating me a new heart. The, the, the author is asking for a miracle on the same level as the creation of the heavens and the earth. That is the remaking of the human heart. And that's God's work. And so, you know, when you decide to clench your fist and grit your teeth and say, I'm going to make myself spiritual, that's, that's not how you get spirituality. That's how you get neurosis. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's more of an opening of the palms and, and being open to the work of God um, 
in our lives. And so Richard Foster describes that with the wonderful term active passivity. Uh, it's, it's passive in the sense that God's going to do the heavy lifting. It's active in that there is something, some things we can do to make us open or available to uh, the movements of God. And that, by the way, is one of the tensions in the Christian tradition. On the one hand, they'll say there's absolutely nothing you can do. It's absolutely all the work of God. And then they'll proceed to tell you the things you can do to, to make yourself uh, available or open uh, uh, to that to that work. But that's crucial because it changes the question. The question becomes not how do I make myself righteous, but how do I make myself available to the work of, of God in Christ in me? And that's a completely different question and you get different answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the thing that I would add is I originally became involved in the spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation with the attitude of a legalist thinking this will change me. And if I practice this enough, then I will um, find maturity in Christ. But then I learned that, no, that's not, that that did more and more reading. I realized, ah, that's not how it works. Um, You do make yourself available and then the spirit works on you. But there are certain avenues that we go down that help us to open ourselves up and open our hearts up. Uh, for the Holy Spirit to work on us and to change us. And uh, for different people, those, those avenues are different. For me, I, I love Bible study, and I love getting out in nature. Um, so I love meditation. Um, I, I'm an introvert, and so the one another relationships are, <laughs> I, you know, I practice them, but that's more of a struggle for me. There are things that are just really natural, and then there are things that aren't so natural. Um, and But the, I find that they, they both help um, make me available, but some of them are just um, organic and natural. And uh, when I get out in the woods and can just meditate on God, I just feel uh, close to God. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. And Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How might these two verses lead us to a better understanding of spiritual formation? Or are there some other verses that you think also speak to this? Well, I'm, I'm not sure I have anything to say about that other than what I've said, and that is got to pay attention to the grammar. Uh you're going, you're going to be transformed and you're going to be led uh, by the Spirit. You know, for when, when we think about being led by the Spirit, we often think about being led and making daily decisions about stuff. And uh, Paul almost never talks about that, uh, even though he had that, only, he had that experience in his own life. He almost never talks about it. When he talks about being led by the Spirit, it's about being led into a certain kind of life. It's about being led into the Christ-formed uh, life. And, um, you know, in the Romans passage, um, uh, that passage is actually in the context of worship language. Pre- present your bodies uh, a, a living sacrifice. And and so this, this notion of the transformative power of the Spirit is very closely connected in Paul's mind 
to what to, to, to Christian worship, how, how you uh, come into a relationship uh, to God and that as you, as we've talked about, make, make yourself available, you come to a deeper and deeper understanding of, of God. We, we generally want to think, okay, we, we understand and then we practice, but that's not quite right. Uh, you know, we are working on understanding, but practice is leading us into different, deeper knowledge. Practice is itself a way of, of knowing, and as we practice, we come to know uh, God better. I like to connect Galatians 5, uh, 25 with in Romans 8, actually. Um, in Romans 8, Paul talks about walking according to the Spirit, not the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And he also talks about uh, putting your mind or your focus on the Spirit. Um, and to me, when I think of... Uh, he says, live by the Spirit, and then he talks about focusing on the Spirit. So I try during the day to just ask myself, you know, Steve, where is your mind? Where is your mind right now? I try to set my mind on the Holy Spirit and then think about the Spirit during the day. And so one phrase, I, I love um, little positive statements. They help me during the day. They keep me going during the day. And so one of my statements is think spirit, get spirit, because I believe I know personally, um, just from my upbringing, I do not think about the Holy Spirit enough. I was reading a book recently, Susan Dyer. Uh, she's actually it's actually an article in a in a book. And she said that um, the Holy Spirit is the Cinderella of the of the trilogy <laughs> of the trinity rather the the cinderella i was like i actually said that at church when i was preaching and and one of the somebody in one in the audience said oh <laughs> poor holy spirit i know i thought that was great um, um but uh, it's true often is that we talk about the father and we talk about the son but so little about the holy spirit and so I connect this verse with uh, Romans 8, which is a fantastic passage uh, that reminds us of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit and being uh, prompted by the Spirit and having the Holy Spirit in our life and walking according to the Holy Spirit. And, and really, he, the Holy Spirit, he is the change agent, the divine change agent. Um, and so if we're going to experience this type of spiritual transformation we're talking about, then we need to really think about the spirit more than we tend to. And when you look at that Romans eight passage, you know, he says, if you walk by the spirit, that those who walk by the spirit, the righteous requirements of the law are fully met in us. And it's, um, he, he seems to be channeling the book of Ezekiel. Uh, and the notion is if you're going to keep the righteous requirements of the law, you're not going to get it by the law. You're going to get it by the spirit. That, that is the spirit actually empowers you to obey the law in the way that the law never could. And so the spirit draws you deeper into the life of uh, God. And that's so fundamental to how Paul, Paul thinks about, about things. You know, he, he tried the law and it didn't go so well. And, uh, it's not that the law was bad, it's that he needed the power. He, he, he didn't have the power and, and the spirit somehow gave that to him. 
H- how would you suggest that placing a higher value on a contemplative life and spiritual disciplines opens us up more to the spirit, his presence, his work in us? And, and how does it ultimately transform the way we you know, view worship and uh, practice within our congregations and, and even in our personal lives? Well, trying to transform or change worship to me, that's, that's, that's a huge question. (laughs) How do you go about doing that? But I would like to see more time for meditation and, and silence um, in, in worship. I mean, it's, it's, it's rarely there. And when it is there, at least in, in my tradition, when it is there, it gets interrupted very quickly <laughs> by some word or, or, or something. Somebody says something. We're just not used to, the, in, at least in my tradition, in being silent for very long in an assembly context. And um, But I would like to think of worship as larger than the assembly. That's what I try to practice and is what I try to teach, that worship is a lifestyle and worship that you have the assembly where we come together to worship. Um, but worship ought to be all day long for me. And that gets back to what Randy was saying, even with Romans chapter 12, um, that we are living sacrifices. And so uh, we, our prayers go up as incense before God. And um, so many other references where the Old Testament type of worship or the Hebrew Bible type of worship was uh, changed in, in, under Jesus. And um, so when I go out in the woods, that's worship for me. And I can be silent before the Lord and meditate and, and think about great things and or just in my garden, in my backyard, or watching the birds around the bird feeder. Um, I love the work of Belden C. Lane, Belden Lane, L-A-N-E. And if you haven't um, read any of his work, then, then go there because one of the things that he does, he talks about um, uh, just getting out and, and being with God. Um, there, there's, there's sacred, um, geography, there's landscapes, um, fierce landscapes that you can go in. So he talks about going in the desert or going out on the plain or going out on a mountain, talks about animals, talks about the great conversation that we can have with God. Um, and contemplation can lead definitely in my life. Anyway, I can say, it's led to that type of change. Um, how contemplation is going to lead to change in the assembly? I, I would love for that to happen. I don't know that I have any control. I actually, I know I don't have any control in my tradition over that happening. Um, but it can certainly happen in individual lives. And that applies also to service and just our personal lives. The deeper... Um, we go in our in our thoughts about the Holy Spirit. Again, the, the more we think and focus on the Holy Spirit, then we will walk according to the Holy Spirit, and that invites change. So, uh, by the way, I'm I'm nobody's idea of balance uh, on this. Um, <laughs> uh, Steve was talking about how you, you know, depending on who you look on the list of disciplines, there there could be a dozen. Um, and I very much lean into the discipline of contemplation, which seems to me is that upon which lots of others are built. And um, 
you know, the most formative event of my adult spiritual life was going out to the desert for 40 days of silent prayer with hermits. And I'd always wondered what would happen if you gave God your undivided attention for 40 days. And if you think about it, there are two things that can happen, and they're both bad. One is nothing, and the other is something. Uh, <laughs> so you kind of do, okay, God, I'll do this. Just don't mess with me. Well, that's not, that's not the way it works. And, you know, you can have all sorts of romantic ideals about that. I assure you there's nothing romantic about it. Uh, but all the contemplative masters agree about this. Uh, when you get quiet, uh, when you sit with God, uh, what you get is not the answer to all your questions. What you get is the gospel. Uh, what you find out is that there's nothing you could ever do that would make God love you any more than he does right now. And that is an utterly transforming truth. Um, because we're, we're programmed to think that God's love for us is built on how productive we are at any particular, how, how well we're doing uh, in the spiritual life. And uh, contemplation is a way of giving up control. Like right now, I'm controlling the way you think about me by the words I use. Uh, but when I shut up and sit with God, then I have this Isaiah, you know, experience. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the Lord. Um, and I, I, I would want to make the distinction between contemplative practices and contemplative stance. We engage in contemplative practices. And the point of that is to, to allow us to take a contemplative stance towards the world. So uh, even when we're uh, not actively praying, we're, we're, we're paying attention, as Steve talked about, to the, to the spirit. We're, we're, we're less uh, reactive. We're less controlling. We're less demanding. That's the contemplative stance. And the practices are intended to get us there. You know, it doesn't do much good if you if you build a little contemplative prayer into your life, but the rest of your life is craziness, you know, and you're, you're just an insane person. Right? That, that, that's not exactly what we're after. Uh, nor, nor are we after passivity. Uh, the contemplative life will help us decide when and where to act. Um, and uh, the problem is we're often acting without doing the contemplation necessary to know whether we should be doing what we're doing uh, at all. It'll make us more focused, more engaged, not less. It'll make us more present, uh, not less. And, uh, you know, mo mo there may be some people called to be hermits. Most of us aren't. Um, you know, most of us are going to be called for contemplation to be a part of our of our lives, not the you know total work of our lives like it is uh, for a hermit. But uh, a little contemplation will make almost anybody's life better. I mean, I mean, psychologists will tell you that. It, it, you know, the the advantages of contemplation are so obvious that people who don't even believe in God uh, recommend uh, contemplation. But we are talking about something else. We're not talking about self help. Uh, we're we're talking about coming in contact with the living God who's closer to you than your own breath and loves you more than you can uh, imagine. And one of the primary ways in the Christian tradition that happens is by uh, getting quiet and sitting with God. Um, I, 
I, I always want to give drive people back to Habakkuk chapter two, verse twenty. You know, in, in verse eighteen and nineteen, he says, "When you worship an idol, what you do is you do lots of talking." And the reason you do that is because the idol is going to say nothing. Any, anything that's going to be produced is going to be human produced because God's not going to do anything. That's why our, our worships are often so noisy. But then he comes to Habakkuk 2.20 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Uh, there really is a living God. He might actually have something to say. So the first act of worship is to shut up and and attend to uh, a, a God who's actually there and might have something to say. Steve, is there anything you want to like chime in on that as well? Well, Randy um, reminded me um, of something that I talk about with, especially with biblical justice, and that is, um, you know, contemplation must lead to action, and you need to to before you act, you need to contemplate. But I, I like to think of it in terms, images help me. I just am a person that I live on images. <laughs> and so if I could put an image in my mind, it, it carries me through the day. So I like to think of it as head, heart, and hands. Um, and uh, all need to be involved when it comes to spiritual formation. All need to be involved when it comes to biblical justice as well. Um, with the head, and Randy talked about it earlier, we get knowledge, but knowledge also is experiential. Uh, but then the heart is the compassion and um, and just on that, even the emotion. Uh, but then if you just have the head and the heart involved and it doesn't actually get into the hands of actually um, reaching out to help someone else, um, then it becomes a bit selfish there. Uh, and so I, that, that helps me whether I'm talking about justice work or I'm talking about spiritual formation is that because I could spend, I love to read, I love to research. I could spend all my time with spiritual formation, just reading and uh, studying and then writing. But if it actually doesn't move me and move my heart to then get my hands involved, then um, all of that that reading, um, it makes me more knowledgeable, but it doesn't really make me a transformed person. It doesn't make me like Jesus. Um, and so I want to engage all of those things. It's interesting that in this season for the church, it seems like to me that there is uh, a struggle to figure out how to integrate these things. So it's either all action or all like thinking and talking, or it's all like heart driven without full understanding. And so what do you, what are some ways that like you both have said this really beautifully, but how does that integration take place? Is it just practice? And then where is church leadership in helping us as congregants, as, as people that are part of the church, like start moving us toward, like, I love Steve that you talked about when you're quiet in church and it really is so uncomfortable, but it's like, that's such a sweet way to model, like how in our individual lives, when we're in an assembly, how, how that does, but what are, what are some ways that we can learn how to integrate this head, heart, hands, or this like being still so that God can speak and 
and the kind of lives we have right now? Well, I think, um, I, I think it's interesting that if you read through the Gospels, uh, Jesus has basically nothing positive to say about leadership. He only talks about leadership a few times, and it's always in the negative. Don't lead life. And his alternative to that bad leadership is not good leadership. His alternative to bad leadership is being a servant. And, uh, you know, that, that leads us to think about leadership in a different way. It, it, you know, leaders are those who follow exceptionally well. And so the emphasis becomes on how, how is my following? And, and then, you know, if somebody says, hmm, I'd like, I'd like to come follow with you, not follow you, but come follow with you. Okay. That's kind of, you know, that's kind of what happens. I, and I, I do think, you know, I, I'm, I'm very influenced by people like, uh, Oh, I guess Henry now and some others, I, you know, ministry is 80% presence and 20% everything else. And, you know, the greatest gift you can give to another person is being fully present to them and God. And people almost never experience that in a world that that's like ours is distracted. I, I tell people the hardest thing about being a college professor the last few years was there was almost never a moment when I had a student's undivided attention. Sure. And, um, and, and that I had some vague notions about how you do spiritual formation with young adults, but I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get anybody's attention long enough to do any of it. And, um, I, I, you know, and, and pandemics don't create, they reveal. And, you know, in some instances, they, they sort of reveal that we were kind of the church of the worker bees. And you, if you took that away, sometimes things didn't go as deep as you wish they, wish they did. And um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want less action, although I probably do. Um, you know, I, we less is not always less. Sometimes less is 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 more. Uh, you know, we're 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 more selective about about what we do, um, but. You know, simple things like, uh, you know, leaders saying, okay, before we start this meeting, we're going to sit for 15 minutes because we, we want the Holy Spirit to be in our midst and we don't want to be driven and we don't want to be reactive. That's a very simple practice. Um, but it's, it's very hard for the first thing that happens after sitting together before God for 15 minutes. It's very hard for the next thing that happens to be really bad. Um and so, you know, a, f a few things like that, I think we can kind of um, kind of build into our lives. But, there, you know, there, there are no easy answers uh, to this. I think a contemplative life has always been hard. I think it's particularly hard now. I think technology is tough. Uh, we live in a world where there are people who get up in the morning, go to bed the, at night thinking about how to distract you. That's their job. And um, so, you know, uh, I... I, I just hope the church will be an agent to relieve us of distraction, not one more distracting element. Wow, Randy, that's great. <laughs> I love the idea of servant leadership, um, taking us to uh, taking us there. 
and then the idea also um, I mean the question is a it's a tough question because there are no easy answers and you know how do we help people live this integrated life where it, uh, head heart and hands are all involved um, that that is that is a challenge. It's a real challenge. It's a challenge in my own personal life um, to do that. Um, so how do I help other people to do it? Um, I, to me, one of the things that I constantly do is I just go back to the Gospels and I read the Gospels over and over again. I love the whole Bible. Um, but when I read like Paul, then I go back to Mark. And then I'll read Ezekiel. Then I go back to John. And I just keep coming back to the Gospels and the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus and who Jesus was. And I do the same when I'm teaching and, and, and working in ministry. I got to admit, I've been in ministry now for over four decades. I feel like I know more. I know less. I know less about ministry than I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> coming out of COVID, I'm still waiting to see, are we really out of COVID? Can I say coming out, you know, uh, the, where are things going to land and where are people going to be? And, um, and that's just, you know, here in the United States, when I try to think about it uh, across the globe, um, becomes even more confusing to me because I do work with students in the Philippines and in India and in Africa um, and so for even trying to just figure out, um, where people are, where the church is right now, how does the church meet needs? Um, I constantly go back to the gospels because I know for me personally, when, when Jesus moves me and Jesus inspires me, that allows me to be what Randy was talking about. And that is just present with people. When I get in the Gospels and I am really trying my hardest to um, think about um, embodying Jesus for other people, then I feel like um, here's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work. Um, but to, uh, yeah, to, it, so this, we're, what we're talking about now, there, there aren't any easy answers, but uh, I do know that going back to Jesus, to me, there are a few things that I feel like in life are always a good answer, like prayer. <laughs> you know, what do we do? Hey, let's pray. Okay. Or what Randy just said, let's be silent for a while. That's a good answer. Or let's try to be like Jesus here. To me, that's always a good answer. Steve, when, when I was teaching, when a student didn't know the answer to a question, they would just put pray because they figured I couldn't count that wrong, you know. That, that <laughs> I really appreciate response back to the Gospels and Jesus. That, you know, this is not contemplation directed towards any old God. This is the God that Jesus calls Father. This is the God who reveals himself in Jesus Christ. This is distinctly christian uh and that that's always really important uh you know and i tell my students see you know some, there'll be some days when your faith is great and sometimes when it's not so good but if you just get up every day and say okay i'm gonna follow jesus today uh then that gives you a, a certain stability through the through the rises and fallings of, of faith on any particular day at least you know what you're doing that day 
Well, uh, boy, we, we have really enjoyed this conversation. I've appreciated the transparency that, you know, spiritual formation is not a program you put in place. It's a process. And, and you were both very, uh, you know, transparent and saying we all struggle with, with this whole process of God shaping us. We're going to come back and talk more about our movement, about the Spirit's work and role, a little more about this uh, contemplative life. I'd also like for us to talk a little bit about how churches can um, incorporate. Sometimes spiritual formation or spiritual disciplines sounds very individualistic. You know, how can our communities of faith um, have in the life of the church ways that we're formed together? So a whole lot more to talk about. Uh, Randy and Steve, we're going to have you come back with us for our next podcast. Um, thanks for joining us today. Um, and, and before we get away, Tina, I'm going to have you close it out in just a moment. And anything you, you guys would like to say uh, to speak to our guests one more time before we get away from this one. I just want to mention again to our listeners some ways that uh, they can access some of your work more and remind, uh, remind them of uh, some of your works. It, Tell us, Randy, just for a, for a moment, your work, your, your book, Living Jesus, it relates to this. Tell us just a little bit about what that book offers, what it's about. Uh, so for the last 10 or 12 years, my time at ACU um, we created a community with some young adults who decided they would try to live out the Sermon on the Mount. And so we all memorized the sermon and, and we would engage in specific practices each week to try to live into the sermon and living Jesus is about the Sermon on the Mount. It's about uh, um, it's it's out of the conviction that Jesus actually meant for us to do this stuff and and what what it would look like uh, to live out uh, the sermon in the in in the current day. I actually made all of my freshman Bible majors memorize the Sermon on the Mount. You know those mm. those old people who said when you memorize something, it crawls inside you in a way that it doesn't if you just read it off a a, a page or off your phone. I think I think they were right. So it's 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 basically a, a book about uh, living the sermon. Oh, great! Um, you've got a lot of books out, and our listeners can. Go on Amazon, I'm sure, and find titles by Randy Harris and Living Jesus Soul Work would be just a couple of those. Tell us just real briefly about the Contemplative Ministers Initiative. And now that you're retired from classroom work and you're still involved in this, what what's happening there? Yeah, the Contemplative Ministers Initiative is a four-retreat, two-year experience uh, with the target audience being young preaching ministers, young defined as in the first half of their their preaching career. And uh, the idea is we're not going to try to teach them how to preach. We're not going to teach them how to strategize. We're going to try to help them work out of a, out of a deeper place to be less reactive. And, uh, uh, and, and, and so through the retreats, we take them through the process of differentiation, contemplation, incarnation, um, and, and then finally integration. Um, but it's, it's all built around uh, the notion that we need more prayerful, more centered people who are less jerked around by their own pathologies and the pathologies of their of their churches so we take cohorts of 12 uh and um you know i, I, would, I would welcome an email from, from anybody who wanted to to do that it is by by invitation we're not trying to be exclusive we just have to you know figure out some way to find the people who'd be interested in doing that gotcha and these are 
uh, people brand new to ministry or people that have been in ministry for some years or a little bit of both? We generally define it as people who are in the first half of their their ministry. Gotcha. So some of them are some of them are very young. Some of them aren't quite so so young. And yeah. you know, it's not like the people in the second half of their ministry don't need that. You just have to start somewhere, and that's <laughs> that's sort of where where we started. Steve, tell us a little bit about the things you're working on. Tell us a little bit more about uh, Telios, the journal, and what people would gain from that if they went online and and access that oh well, i'm so excited about the journal um it, it we have a great editorial board it's made up of um professors from around the stone campbell movement um uh and so they're contributing uh, like uh john mark hicks and douglas foster and um, many many others um and uh, we, we feature articles um, on spirituality, but we talk about other things as well. Um, our, our first issue, if you know Ronald Rollheiser of Oblate Theological School, he wrote the featured article. Uh, Philip Sheryl Drake was a writer there. And our second issue, we featured Fred Gray um, and um, mm. had a, an interview with, with Fred Gray, which was fantastic. He just won the Presidential Medal of Honor. Uh, and so, uh, but it's also a, a journal that we have scholarly articles and we have, uh, original poetry and we have original photography, uh, in it. And then we uh, have book reviews and then we have usually one article that is, um, more for a general audience. And so we're trying to just not, uh, have your typical scholarly journal, um, but make it appeal to other people to draw some people into scholarship. And also, I feel like that if it's going to be holistic Christianity, then we need to be a bit creative with it, um, because <laughs> that to me is uh, holistic Christianity and holistic spirituality. It needs to be creative. And so we have beautiful photography. We have beautiful poems and um I think it, it's it's an uplifting uh, journal, and so it'll feed you uh, your as followers scholarship. It'll feed you there, but it'll also, I think, touch your soul and, and touch your heart. And so, I, it's um, it's been a great labor of love to work on it. You guys, it has really been wonderful, and uh, I'm looking forward to our next time together. And in the meantime, for our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And um, I hope that these kind of conversations encourage you to reach out to people that are outside your particular stream of our movement or um, somebody that is uh, maybe going through a spiritual formation that that you might want to ask some questions about. And let's build our community so that we can live an integrated life together. So we will see you on the next podcast. Thanks for joining us on Common Grounds Unity. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you can't find a gathering in your area, we can help you start one. It's not difficult or time-consuming. 
and we'll help you out along the way. It really does simply start with a cup of coffee. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.